Hello, Pats Nation, and welcome back to the latest and greatest edition of Six Rings and Football Things, a presentation of WEEI, WEEI.com, and Odyssey Sports. We have a packed jam, jam-packed episode for you today. We're going to provide you all the analysis, insight, and info you need to get pumped and jacked for Sunday's Ravens at Patriots AFC Showdown, which also happens to be the home opener for your one-and-one New England Patriots coming off of that uh, squeaker of a dub last Sunday in Pittsburgh. We will provide you with some perspective from Baltimore, some perspective from New England with some fantastic interviews. Plus, by the end of the podcast, we'll give you our picks. So get ready. This is going to be fun. Let's get things going right now. We'll have Jason LaConfora from 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore joining us to let us know how are things going down there in Balmer following that tough loss against the Finns. Joining us now on the Six Rings podcast is Odyssey NFL insider Jason LaConfora. You can also hear Jason with Brian Baldinger on the In the Huddle pod with new episodes out every week. Just search Huddle wherever you find your podcast. With Andy Hart and Nick Fitzy Stevens, it's Jason Locke and Four here to preview Pat's Ravens on Sunday. Jason, how are we doing today? I'm doing well. Hope you guys are as well. Well, hopefully you're doing better than the mood in Baltimore that I suspect right now after last week's shocking loss. Ooh-wee. Up three touchdowns, giving up 42 to the Finns. Lamar puts up a 38 spot in the home opener. Uh, what's the general mood around Baltimore right now? Oh, uh, panic-stricken. Um <laughs> Freaking out, I think, to some degree. Uh, there's a lot of here we go again. How, how could this franchise that rose to prominence based on uh, superior defensive play be this horrific, um, give up this many big plays, look this confused, have so few blue-chip players, have so few in their prime difference makers on that side of the ball. Like, how could all this be true? How could they take – three defenders in the first round, three straight years, and through two weeks, they're complete liabilities. Like, not only are they, like, not good, like, not helping, they're bleeping up all over the place. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's getting late early. Um, and, and my sort of take on them all, all offseason long, once the schedule came out, was don't watch what they do on the road against a bad Jets team, against a a Patriots team that's limited offensively. The first three home games are Miami, which is obviously new and improved under new management, and they've got a track team. And then it's Buffalo, who, enough said. And then it's Cincinnati, who racked up 500 yards a game against these guys last year and basically got Wink Martindale fired. So if they're any better, if this is any different, if they've actually improved – even though they got nobody who can rush the passer, but all the safeties in the world, we'll know after that three-game run. The, the, the returns against Miami obviously were, were, were horrific. I mean, teams up 21 nothing in the fourth quarter since 2011 were 711-0. It's now 711-1. <laughs> Jason, coming off of the loss, um, I think there was a little concern when – when everyone sees Lamar Jackson not throwing during the media yeah. portion of practice, got a sleeve on his arm because, as you just sort of painted it, if the defense isn't good, it looks like Lamar's going to try to carry yeah. this team as far as it can go. Oh, yeah. is, is there legitimate concern with that arm, or well, is that just normal? I would say it's suboptimal to be dealing with it in week two. Right. You know, when, 
Harbaugh calls it normal wear and tear. Like, well, I don't through two games. I, I, I think it's fair to say it's less than ideal that your quarterback's dealing with anything. But I think you'd also have to be naive if you look at the construction of this team and you watch them play, not to think he's going to be banged up because it's a one-man army. Um, they can't run the ball at all unless he does it. I mean, he had 113 yards rushing more than any other teammate last week. They don't have special backs. They don't have a special offensive line. They're blocking tight end Nick Boyle. Looks like he's at the end. Um, you know, if you're using a fullback 60-plus percent of the time and you can't pick up any short yardage unless it's a direct snap to the tight end or an inside handoff to that fullback, then you've probably got problems. Um, they drafted an undersized center in the in the first round, and they're, they're quick to tell you how great he is at the second level. Well, I see him getting tossed out of the club at the first level. So, I, I, yeah, it's Lamar, it's Lamar, it's Lamar. It's Lamar's legs, it's Lamar's mind, it's Lamar's arm. Um, they, they are trying to evolve to an, a team that throws on early downs, that employs play action way more than you would expect on early downs, that pushes the ball downfield, and it's, it's now an under-center passing offense as well. I think Lamar had 10, 15 career completions under-center in his first four years. Five of them were goal line, you know, passes for one or two yards. So you take that out, and it was, it was 10 in his entire career. He's 7 for 7 for 75 yards and a touchdown under-center this year. And, and, you know, they're selling play action, not out of the shotgun, not out of the pistol, but under-center. And it's been a big weapon for them through two weeks. It's caught people off guard. Eventually, you know, we'll see if things recalibrate because teams are still playing them like they're this elite running team. But, again, unless it's the quarterback himself, there's not any there there. Yeah, injuries to Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins have absolutely just killed the running game for Baltimore, which made them such a, a diverse and dangerous attack from every level on the field. And obviously injuries have been cataclysmic in the secondary as well. Um, before we get to before we talk about any more defense, just talking about Lamar and the Ravens offense and knowing Belichick, who always tries to take away another team's best asset in yeah. this case, I'd probably still argue Lamar's running. How do you see the Patriots trying to defend the Ravens Sunday? I think you, you, you know, the crowd in the box cover zero stuff. I, 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 you know, Miami blitzed him 20 times last, last week and he carved him up. Um, he's embracing the short passes. He's embracing the quick slants and his hots. I, I think he knows that they can't run the ball unless he does it. And he doesn't want to do it as much as he's had to in the past. And you look at the numbers last week and they're gaudy. But the touchdown in 79 yards came on a, on, a, on a cover zero look where, you know, he, he, he saw a crease, he pressed it, and he, no, nobody touched him. Um, it's not like they're calling design run after design run. Like, there's not a whole lot of option plays in this offense right now. Now, now could that change this week? Sure. But I, I, I think you better zone him up. I mean, in his career, every again, after the Miami game last year, everybody's talking about cover zero blitzes. But, but the reality is, Cover three, cover two, those looks had given him issues more than anything else through his career. And I think teams – I mean, you, I, I just don't know that you watch this film for two weeks and think you need, you need stacked boxes. I think it's like, okay, Bateman looks like a real thing on the outside. They finally have a second move tight end like they had in 2019 when this kid won an MVP. Then it was Hayden Hurst. Now it's this kid, Isaiah Likely. 
they drafted in the fourth round. Andrews is still a problem. Duvernay, he's got a concussion. The Ravens say it's not really a concussion. Either way, if, if he's available, they're finally giving him enough reps to where his speed and twitch manifest themselves. Remember, he's an all-pro returner, so it's not like this guy doesn't have wiggle and he's not a special athlete. So I, I think that's – like, I'm not worried about Kenyon Drake. I'm not worried about Mike Davis. I'm not worried about Justice Hill. Um I, I, I'm worried about all these deep balls that he's hitting all over the place. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know, guys. I, I, I think it's about zone defense. It's about trying to bait him into some things. And it's hoping that because Bateman and Likely are still inexperienced that, you know, maybe there's a slip-up, maybe there's a, um, a miscommunication. And we have seen some of that um, already this year. But, I'm not defending them like the 2019 Ravens because they ain't. They're not. That that team is. That's over. Like they're not even pretending that's who they are anymore. Jason, yesterday uh, along those lines, Bill Belichick was asked a question whether Lamar has sort of answered the questions about whether he can play in the pocket. And in the midst of that answer and saying without a doubt he has, um, he did something that piqued my interest. Uh, I've been covering his press conferences 20 plus years, and I can't ever remember him saying something like. We'll see what his contract is. Oh, yeah. Talking about somebody else's contract. Trust me, we we played that clip on my show repeatedly uh, yesterday. What uh, what do you think that was all about? And you think that that got any attention in the Baltimore organization? Of course. Of course. Everything he says and does is closely monitored here. I mean, people (laughs) were apoplectic last year when they stole Ben Mason, who people in New England probably don't even remember. (laughs) You know, a a fullback who the Ravens drafted who they thought they could get on their practice squad. Like, people were irate that Ben Mason ended up in Foxborough, where I don't think he ever played. Nope. So, yeah, there's a thing here. Like, there's, a, there's, there's, there's respect, but there's also an edge. Um, and I took it as a shot at Steve Bishotti in their front office. Like, you clowns. <laughs> Everybody else who can play that position gets paid after three years, and you're going to have this kid on a franchise tag next year, and you can only do that one more time, and then he might be gone. I, I looked at it as – a kind of a mismanagement kind of thing, like wow, this kid, you know, boy, he still doesn't have a real contract. He still doesn't have a real contract yet. He's playing out his fifth year option. He's Lamar freaking Jackson. Like, what? What more is he supposed to do? What are you clowns doing over there? That's how I took it. Yeah, you know, there is no love lost. There's bad blood galore. Yet, there, like you mentioned, Jason, there's a ton of mutual respect. Oh, yeah. um, uh, Belichick's eight and four all time versus Harbaugh. Uh, yet every game seems to go right down to the wire. Mm-hmm. And this week, John Harbaugh, you outlined earlier what a tough schedule they have, started talking about a sense of urgency already, and here it is only week three. So are you expecting an empty-the-tank effort from Baltimore on Sunday because of the urgency John Harbaugh spoke of? Yeah, and look, I don't think it's an effort situation here. I Just look at the roster and circle a guy who you think week in, week out can – impact a football game who has a a a a track record or a resume that would make you inclined to think that guy might wreck this whole thing like go to their defensive roster and just look at it and three quarters of them you never heard of but like just you you like their best player okay they paid marcus williams 16 million dollars a year like he better be able to play and he can but the secondary still a shambles even with him at free safety like, Justin Houston's been their best player in the front seven. Like, he's supposed to be playing 33% of the reps because Adafi Owe is this stud 
that you whisper to Peter King, oh, yeah, he's going to be defensive player of the year. Yeah, well, a year before it was Justin Matabike. Like, how'd that work out? <laughs> like, the, the, you know, like, we can mythologize all these dudes and we can pretend that, like, this is going to happen and that's going to happen and that's what they're selling around here. But they don't have players. They do not have players that strike fear in offensive coordinators' hearts. And Justin Houston is playing 70-plus percent of the reps. Calais Campbell's supposed to be an every-other-down guy at most. He played 63% last, last week. They put a roster together with two outside linebackers on it. But like 5,000 safeties. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, Harbaugh is – look, for my money, he's one of the elite, truly elite coaches in this league. But, like, if you keep blowing drafts and you don't want to spend money in free agency, then this is what you get. So you're hoping and praying that this is the week Oway turns it on, and you're hoping and praying that – Kyle Hamilton, your 14th overall pick, understands basic cover two concepts. You're, you're hoping that Patrick Queen learns how to tackle and cover this week, although we ain't seen it yet. You know, but that's what you're left with. And then, you know, it's, it's guys who are at the end. You're piecing it together with Campbell and, oh, yeah, Michael Pierce hasn't done anything in two years. But he was good here three years ago, so we'll take a flyer on that. Meantime, you let Matt Judon leave for less money than you paid him the year before. I mean, you make it make sense. They don't have a defense. Uh, speaking of that, how much of the issues in the back end will be improved if uh, Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters can be full-time players? What, what is their status, I guess? I, I mean, Marcus Peters is coming off a significant injury. Uh, their insurance policy was fuller. He went down in the first game, and, and he's done for the year. Um, Marcus, uh, look, I, I don't – I mean, Marcus Peters doesn't have a contract beyond this year. Um, I – I think it was a gamble, sort of just assuming he's going to be the old Marcus Peters right away. He's not. He's still a step slow. He looked like a guy, and again, Miami does have elite speed, but he looked like a guy who was working his way back from a major injury. Marlon Humphrey is a slot corner. They paid him $20 million. They can play him on the boundary all they want, but ideally, he's a slot corner. He's not an elite twitch guy. He's not super sped up. Um his most impact comes at slot, but they can't play him there because they don't have any boundary corners. The key to their defense this week will be Brandon Stevens. If Brandon Stevens can, can play, then that means they can hide Kyle Hamilton again and not play their first-round pick in passing situations for the most part. Um, I don't know whether that's going to come to pass or not. I, it sounds more optimistic for Stevens this week. Um, you know, Marlon tried to gut it out last week with, with you know, soft tissue stuff. You guys know how easily that is aggravated. Um, th- again, they have more invested in their secondary than anybody else in the league from a cap standpoint, percentage of cap. They don't have anything invested in pass rush. If those guys on the back end aren't not just good, but phenomenal, if that's not a top five unit, this team has no chance to beat good offensive football teams. Boy, talking about missing on free agency picks and having bad drafts, I say you swap out Mac Jones' promise for Lamar Jackson's speed, and this could be a cruel mirror image game on Sunday, Jason, because <laughs> we have a lot of the same complaints up here in New England, which is what should make it fascinating. Thanks for your time today, Jason. We really appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the game on Sunday. All the best. Hope to connect with you again sometime soon. Sounds good. You guys do the same. Thank you. All appreciate right. Thank you. you. That was Odyssey NFL insider Jason Lockenfor here on the Six Rings podcast. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I enjoyed that chat. Once again, that was Jason Lockenfora, our NFL Odyssey insider, as well as the weekday 2 to 6 co-host 
on the fan in Baltimore, 105.7 FM. All right, so that was our Baltimore perspective. We got a good idea what was going on with the Ravens and a surprisingly negative yet realistic outlook from Jason Lock and Four really does sound like they've got a lot of problems down there, very similar to what's going on in New England. To give us a fresh perspective on the quarterback and what's going on with your one-on-one Patriots, Andy Hart was able to catch up with friend of show and NFL Network reporter Mike Giardi earlier this week. Back for another scintillating segment of the Six Rings podcast, joined by one of our favorite shows of the program, as an SEC coach might say, Mike Giardi, NFL Network. And Mike, we're going to keep this short. We're not going long here, but I want to get your opinion on a significant member of the Patriots organization coming off his first win of the season, Mac Jones. We just listened to him speak at his uh, Wednesday podium session here at Gillette Stadium. A, I'm going to start with a simple question. How did he play in the win against the Pittsburgh Steelers? Average at best. Uh, you know, he, he talked about today the idea that, well, hey, look, the win is all that matters, and there aren't even ba- there's not bad tape. There's not bad tape. I mean, he had four throws in that game that should have been intercepted. One was. Um, so right there, and whether – is that bad decision, bad throw, all of the above? Like, I don't know how you – you say that. I mean, I understand they're they're trying to put that in the rear view and they're getting ready for this week and they don't really want to talk much about last week. But I I did find that curious. Um, I think nothing has been easy for this offense. I, it, nothing has changed just because they won a game. To me, it it looked a skosh better than it did in week one. But let's I'm not taking this huge leap here. So one of his quotes over the summer was the open conversation of the coaching, the offense, everything that was in place. He loved it. And talking him to, to him today, he talked a little bit about RPOs, that they're dabbling in it. He clearly sounds like advocated for it, did it at Alabama, had success with it at Alabama. Seems like it. he feels like it puts the defense in a bind and it can be valuable. Uh, what do you think, not only A, of the idea of doing things that he likes, such as RPOs, but him having that year two voice to express that and, and maybe get what he wants? It should be that way. Like, look, look, you draft him in the first round. So I know there's discussions about what his ceiling is and, like, whatever. You drafted him 15th overall. You, you gave him the keys. Or, and he earned him to a certain degree by beating out Cam, who was washed, but... Point, but point being, Mac did play. You're editorializing I know, yourself. I know, but Mac did deserve it. He did play well. And as I've said a lot this summer, um, Max looked more like a rookie this year than he did pretty much at any time last year. But, yeah, you, you have to. I, I, that wouldn't make any sense to me to say, no, no, no you're going to do what we tell you to do. Now, maybe there was some of that last year with Josh because the system had been it. But I also think that Josh started to understand as they went along what Mac does well and put him in those situations as much as he possibly could. And I think it behooves any good coaching staff to do that. So one of the quotes that I wrote down from Mac today, talking about the coaches, his trust in the coaches, and that it's their job to you know tell you what to do. And he always says, as long as he knows the why or the purpose, he's good with it. And he said, quote, they're never going to put me in a bad position. Um, has he been asleep for eight months? <laughs> Because um, he has a defensive coach, he has a special teams coach, they didn't add talent, they're moving all the offensive line around. Um, do you think he truly believes everything he says to us? No. Okay. No, I, but, I mean, look, we, we dealt with Brady for 20 years, and what was this quote last year or two years ago about, like, 90% of what I say up there is not true, so you're trying to figure out what the 10% is? 
I think Mac is, and and you and I were having this conversation before this podcast. I think Mac is desperately trying to say the right thing, and not the controversial thing. Um, and maybe he said some things. Maybe he he was himself at various points during the spring and summer, and maybe that got him in trouble. Um, and I think he's trying to make sure that I'm protecting. I'm the, I'm part of the team. I'm going to protect my team. I'm going to protect my coaches. I'm going to I'm going to try to do that, and hopefully we do find success here with this offense moving forward. But I, I definitely think he's trying to be as bland as possible. Problem with that is, is when you keep talking yourself in circles, sometimes little things come out that you didn't want to come out because you're just trying to figure out a way to end your thought. And I think that happened again today. I believe it's, oh, what a wondrous web we weave when we work to deceive. Anyway, there was a, a, an allusion today, actually, in Devin McCourty's press conference that a lot of people comment on the quarterback position who really have no right to. I fully understand that. Absolutely. I think if you ever put me at quarterback in an NFL game, I would quite literally poop my pants. <laughs> With people rushing at me, guys crossing all directions, I think it's a, a, a taxing job. And, and that doesn't even go into what you just sort of alluded to, like you're the face of the team. You've got to say the right thing. You, Bill Belichick's your coach. There's so many pressures there. So... Mac is 20 games, I believe, into his NFL career here. And a lot of people seem to be making one direction or the other, like decisions. Oh, he, he's the quarterback for the next 12 years, Andy Gresh on our station, WEEI. He is all in. I think that's idiotic. I also think it's equally as idiotic to say he stinks. He can't be a franchise quarterback. Look at him. He can't make the throws. He can't do this. He can't do that. I almost eliminate both of those polls because I think they're just ridiculous at this point. But the idea of progression and regression and the process and the results and all the crap that he continues to go back to, which kind of annoys me, but whatever. That's his (laughs) thing. I'll let him have it. Is he building? Do we need to just – is this year, as I wrote in the spring, and it may have been stupid, I don't know, that like he can't lose this year – because of the talent, the coaching, all the questions around him, new scheme. It's almost like it's a free year for him, but also like a wasted year. I don't know how, like which side of that I kind of dance back and forth. So where is Mac right now? Like where is he in this process that he keeps – the process. I know he's talking more about the team and like the in-season install, but there's a process to his career that I think he's trusting. If I were him, I'm not sure I would be trusting. So where is he in that process? I mean, you said progression or regression, and I think there's been some regression. But, and this is where I'm sort of bullish on this whole thing. And as you said, the the, the great scope of you're here or you're there. I think when I look at all that's happened, what's the biggest change that's happened with this team in the offseason? It's who's coaching him. Mm -hmm. And one guy in particular, the guy that's calling the plays, although it's a collaborative effort, we're told, is it has been a defensive coach his entire life, except for 2005 when he was an assistant offensive line coach, which, as you know and I know, means absolutely nothing right. in the grand scheme of things. So I keep coming back to that. And so when people make this statement like, oh, he's not any good, this isn't a franchise quarterback, I go back to his rookie year and I say he was pretty good. He was pretty good pretty much all year long. Yeah, there were some valleys, as you expect with a young quarterback. But I just say to myself, like, that guy's there. We haven't seen that guy very often this year, and what's the common denominator? It's not that he didn't put the work in. In fact, he, physically he looks better than he ever did. It's not that he, you know, he put the time in 
the, the mental process of this thing he's been very involved in. So I just keep coming back to the coaching and the plan and the scheme. I go back to what Jacoby Myers told me last week. They got a lot of run. You know, we sometimes question whether or not, you know, how we're attacking and what the plan is. I think you're seeing that's a problem. I, I tried to get it out of my I knew I wasn't going to today, Mac. Just the idea, there aren't a lot of easy throws. And you don't have to be a quarterback expert or an offensive expert. If you're watching the other games that are on TV and you're watching whether it's the Bills, the Dolphins, hell, even the Titans who got their butts kicked, there are some throws that Ryan Tannehill got to make in that game that are easy throws. Pitch and catch, 10 yards, simple as can be. How many simple throws has he had to has he had in the first two weeks of this season? A couple crossers against Pittsburgh. Pretty much nothing was easy against Miami. I just think they're not doing enough schematically to get guys who aren't burners to get them open. And I think Josh McDaniels, I'll go back to it, that loss is massive. They miss him. And I think you see it on Sunday when you're like, how come guys aren't open? How come every throw has to be there's a guy it's a tight window almost every throw is a tight window throw it's just it's crazy and that was kind of what i wrote this morning on our website is mac and the patriots don't measure up right now as expected like this was obvious we all talked if you were a an objective person this offseason and said oh josh mcdaniel's left oh wait excuse me they replaced him with who like matt patricia and joe judge what did they do to upgrade the offense well they brought in Devonte parker and he's had less separation than anybody in the sport of football for two straight years like wasn't this all sort of predictable and expected and that's where i get in the mac kind of has a free year here it's not really on mac but the flip side of that i will say is two things one critical and one it's not really his fault it's the idiots in the media everybody oh my god he worked with tom house and he's going to add rpms he is going to be chucking the ball he's going to be effing whizzing that thing down and he's not and now everybody's like oh i don't really the arm doesn't look stronger did you expect it did you honestly expect arms don't get significantly stronger they get incrementally where if you're tom brady and you play 23 years and you go up one percent a year well that's a lot of percentages over the span of 23 years but you're not going to go from mac jones last year to what does he look like josh allen Did, was that thing effing whizzing down there no that's not going to happen the flip side of that that i do blame mac for is i don't think his accuracy has been very good early in the season and i'm sorry but if you don't have the legs and you don't have the howitzer, and I'm supposed to think you're going to get by on your reads and your accuracy? Well, if you don't have the accuracy, then what do you have? And that would be without, I'm not making grand like proclamations, my biggest concern this year, and maybe it's his head. Maybe he's thinking too much and not just playing and throwing it. But I think his accuracy has been kind of suspect to start the year in two games. And I, that's why I keep coming back to the, I, I just keep saying he doesn't look comfortable back there. And people are like, well, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's the offensive, well, he was protected fairly well on Sunday. What, hit three times, I think, in the game? If you're going to drop back that many times and only get three times, that's not too many quarterbacks get that in the league. I just I, I don't know that he's trusting what he's seeing. And I keep coming back to last year, he trusted what he was seeing. And he had somebody in his ear that had been doing it for 20 years and is good at it in Josh McDaniels. And now we don't know if Matt's going to be good or not. We don't. I, I'm, not, I'm not one to... And I've said this all along, like, it's easy to rip them. And then clearly they should have, I, I feel like they should have had a more experienced guy. But I don't know if Matt's going to be good or not. I, d I don't have any idea yet. And we have, we have such limited sample size to this point, 
you know, they do all this stuff in the summer and then they trash it because it wasn't any good. Well, that's good coaching in the sense that, like, don't keep beating your head against the wall. Dump that stuff. We're, that's not what we're good at. And maybe we'll never be good at it. But then at the same time, where, where's the scheme to separate guys? You know they're dead last in motion? Yes. That, that is frightening because that, that is, and you'll talk to any quarterback, right? Anybody who's played in the league. That's a cheat code. It helps you tell you what coverage is. So you're going to be static with a second-year quarterback and a first-year offensive coordinator and not this overwhelming bunch of talent around you? That's kind of crazy to me. Okay, so I know we're going a little long, but we're going to go deep here. We're sticking all Mac, all quarterback play. The last question I have about Mac is, I'm going to do exactly what I poo-pooed earlier. So they're facing Lamar Jackson this week. Fifth year, first-round quarterback, doesn't have a contract, but not because the team doesn't want him and he doesn't want the team. little different layer there. But that's a road the Patriots are going to have to go down. So do you have a crystal ball? Um, yeah, sure. Okay, crystal ball. Your Mike Giardi crystal ball. You know, you can see it behind you on your NFL Network TV appearances. I'm sure it's there somewhere in the Giardi household. Uh, a few years from now, will we be talking about a multi-hundred million dollar extension for Mac Jones? Or will we be going down the road of they're still looking for a quarterback. Totally, I'm telling you, this is unfair to ask you. I'm fully admitting it's unfair, and I think Gresh is an idiot for saying he's all in on him, and the idiots are saying they're all out on him, like Shime, our co-host. But if I made you say 51-40, 50-50 fault, make it a Devontae Parker 50-50 ball, are you coming down with Mac is staying and Mac's getting a new deal, or they're looking? I'm going to trust what i saw last year over what i've seen thus far so i'm going to say yes um you know i don't think he's going to be the highest paid quarterback in the league but yeah i i think i can guarantee he won't be here if he wants to be the highest paid quarterback in the league but that's a separate topic and how about belichick sort of stirring the pot like what kind of money is lamar jackson going to be making and that's where i wanted to go next i found that as interesting as anything today and i do wonder if bill looks like so he makes that little lighthearted. he's been a little different this year throwing out little quips and maybe a little more comfortable i don't know why maybe as he gets older he's like i might as well enjoy this it's almost done um so just to bring to everybody's attention, I heard it a little differently than it was in the transcript, but it was basically, wait till we see the contract he gets. To your question, has he answered the questions about being able to play in the pocket? And I think Bill's insinuation is he can do it all, so just watch what kind of money he gets. Which I thought was interesting to bring up another team's quarterback, money, finances. I'm sure they loved it. <laughs> but... <laughs> And, and he's having a great year. He bet on himself. He's six touchdowns, one interception, 75-yard touchdown run, do, doing the whole damn thing. Mm-hmm. He's answered the questions for me. I'd pay him now. I was a little dubious. I'd pay him now. But he's also fluffing up the guy who's going to continue to set the market for where quarterback contracts are going with Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, if you include or don't include. I know that's kind of a sticking point with teams, fully guaranteed. Like, why do you think Bill did that today, other than just having fun? And does he even care? Like, has he reached the point where he – I have this whole theory. Quick side note. People cut me off in traffic. I say, in a few years, don't do that. I plan on getting a dually, those big pickup trucks with the two wheels in the back and a brush guard in the front, and I'm just going to drive through people that cut me off until they take my license away. I don't know if it's 70, 75. I've told my wife, and she's on board with the plan. Is he, has he reached the point where he's driving a dually and he doesn't give an F and he's just driving, through, saying whatever the hell he wants? Why do he do it? Yeah, I, and look, I think 
you know, he gave us this opening salvo as he always does when they get it. But like the ownership starting from above and the general manager and the plan that they have. But they've been a competitor. And he's and he and Harbaugh have butted heads at times, obviously, famously the playoff game with the different formations and all that. Um, I think he likes to zip people. And, and to that point, maybe that is like, I don't give a crap anymore. Like, I don't care whether you like me or you don't like me. I don't care if you talk to me at the, at the owners' meetings or the coaches' meetings. Like, who cares? What do I need you for? I don't. I got, I got all these rings, and uh, I own all of Nantucket. Like, I'm good. I don't, I don't really give a damn. Okay. So as we wrap this up, I know you don't do predictions, yeah. but give me a um, tone-filled preview of the game from your perspective. Some of the keys to this football game between the Patriots, one and one. The Ravens, one and one. So same record, same team, same chances to win. Why is he, sh- why is he shaking his head? No, because Baltimore had an epic collapse um, in part because of injuries, in part, you know, some coverage stuff. And I think once it started to roll, I think they turtled a little bit. So to Harbaugh's point after the game is like, what happened now is not the story. The story is what we do from here. Um, and I, I trust that program. I've trusted that program for a long time. So I think they'll be – mentally in a better place and i think obviously they're not going to fear uh the patriots receivers like they had to fear that they're going to go over the top of them as they did in that game i think when i look at their offense they haven't been able to run the ball baltimore i think if they can continue to be one-dimensional that certainly would help but to me in hearing mccordy talk today like oh he can read defenses now the plan is still to keep him in the pocket. The plan is still to play zone as much as possible so that he doesn't get one of those running lanes and rip off that 75-yard back-breaking run. Like, that's – they can't stand that here. They don't want that to happen ever. Um, so can they keep him in the pocket and prevent him from doing damage with his legs? And that's not just running and picking up that 15, 20, 30 yards, but that's also just continuing to run around. And then finally, like, I can't cover this guy for eight seconds. And Devin Duvernay is, you know, 10 yards behind the corner. So I – those, to me, are, are really important factors. And then lastly, just from an offensive standpoint for the Patriots, like, you got to they, – they have to find more. There just has to be more – got to find more plays there. Everybody's feeling good about – they had a good drive to start the game, a good drive to start the second half, and a good drive to finish it. They scored 17 points in the game, and seven of them came off a gift from Gunnar Olszewski's face mask. He took over the ball in the 10-yard line. Like, so seven points in the opener and really 10 in this last game. Like – that's you're not you're not holding Baltimore I don't think under 20 points so can you can you find a way to get some plays as loyal listeners of the six rings pod know that's Mike Giardi NFL Network and that is the first and what I hope will be weekly Andy Hart one-on-one interviews from Gillette Stadium for various members of the local media some will be friends of the show like Mike Giardi Paul Perillo maybe Mike Reese Others may be people that don't really like me. That might be fun, too, if I can talk them into doing it. But we're going to try to do weekly interviews with beat writers from Gillette Stadium on Wednesdays. If you want to subscribe to the Six Rings podcast, do it on your favorite podcast app. Odyssey is the preferred app for us, obviously. If you want to contact the show and say Mike Giardi is the best guest we have or worst guest we have, it's at Six Rings Pod on Twitter or Six Rings Pod at gmail.com. Well, listen to this podcast, just chock full of perspective, analysis, and insight. You can't get it any better anywhere else. Nice job, Andy, catching up with Giardi. Lock and four was tremendous. Gentlemen, I am more fired up than ever before for Pat's Ravens on Sunday, the home opener. Shime and Jumbo are joining me right now for our picks and our analysis of the game on Sunday. And let's, let's start here. Andy, 
Yeah. After having spoken with Giardi, put up your columns, reviewing the Pittsburgh tape, and then, of course, listening to the very brutally honest uh, information and perspective from Jason Locke and Fora, are you starting to think that uh, maybe the Pats have a little bit of a chance on Sunday? Yeah, Locke and Fora's tone and a lot of what he talked about is interesting. You said it to him, Fitzy, you know, sort of mirror images, questioning the draft and overpaid players in this spot where you're not getting value. Like, as soon as he said their secondary is the highest paid, and if they're not good enough, they're in trouble, I thought of Patriots tight ends. Highest paid, not getting production out of it, equal to what you're paying. Like, there's a lot of similarities. The coaches, the re- the rivalry, there's a lot here. But I look at this game on two levels. One, I think it's a major test for the defense because – Baltimore makes big plays. Lamar makes mm-hmm. big plays. Lamar, listening to Devin McCourty yesterday talk about how Lamar plays now and how scary it is that he's now still great athletically, but you can see him processing at a veteran level, at, a, at a, an experienced quarterback level. He knows zone. He knows man. You're in zone. I'm going to stay and I'm going to throw. Ooh, you went man. My lane is open. I'm running because you're all with your receivers. Like, the, the way McCourty talked about it really made it sound scary to defend Lamar Jackson, and we know that it is. So defense has played pretty well, but this is a different test, different beast in Lamar Jackson. And then the flip side, Mac has an opportunity. We just heard Lock and Flora talk about the, the pass defense for the Ravens that isn't very good, whether it's the back end or the lack of pressure. So you got to build on what you did last week with uh, Jacoby Myers being your go-to guy. Aguilar being an efficient playmaker, making a play down the field. Now, whether they can do that, I'm not totally sold. But listening to these guys, I give the Patriots a better chance than I had before I listened to the beginning of this podcast. This, I mean, this week. And Shime, I just wanted to say real quick. I know you, you want to jump all over anything positive, Lamar. No, 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 and that's exactly. I was, what, I was gonna. That, I was just gonna say, like, I, yeah. I think this is the perfect opportunity for the Patriots' offense to get it going. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, like it, to be positive about the Patriots for a second. I know shocking <gasps> coming from me, but like, if there was a week that it seems like the Patriots offense could just like let loose and kind of let things fly and really kind of find a, a bit of a groove, it would be against the Baltimore Ravens, who, as we saw last week, their defense, not that good. And, and Lock and Fora told us that. So I think this is, this is a specific opportunity for Mac Jones in this offense. But need yeah, to. I, I you, mentioned it to him to briefly, points. too. As, yeah, we, the Pats need to get the air game going. Like, they can't just – everything can't live on the ground, which is what we Well, they need to score about. points. I don't, I don't really care how yeah. they do it. Well, they'll no, get the points, but they need to try to matriculate the ball down the field a little bit aerially. And there is no better team to do that than against the Baltimore Ravens, which is shocking given how much money they've spent – on their on their cornerbacks and their safeties, like he mentioned, since the start of last season, they give up the most forty yard pass plays or longer in the NFL, and the Patriots have only given up the second fewest. Now, I don't think that's going to necessarily hold true on Sunday. I mean, maybe it does. We'll see. But the thing that Jason said earlier, Shime, that I wanted to bring up with you was this reminds me of when Patrick Mahomes came out and said, like, "Oh yeah, I finally started doing uh, you know film work, and I'm you know breaking down yes. defenses." Yep. Uh, and like how that changed his game and took it to another level. 100%. And he already has so many ridiculous physical skills and assets. And if Lamar is doing that now, I, I worry almost a little bit less about his legs or I worry about his legs equally now to the potential for the deep passing game with some of those speedy wide receivers. Well, yeah, it, it makes it so difficult, right? Because Belichick has has made a career on not allowing massive explosive plays down the field, I think. Mm-hmm. like That's one of his biggest cornerstones of his defense is don't let them get over your head. Like, whatever you do, don't let Tyreek Hill, don't let any of these fast, deep ball receivers get over your head and, and give up those big explosive plays. But in order to do that a lot of times, right, you, your safeties are, are dropping so deep into coverage 
that that creates so much space in the middle of the field, which is where Lamar thrives. So now that Lamar is is reading defenses and understanding how defensive football is played from the quarterback perspective, he can he can then make better decisions on okay, I'm going to attack here deep because I know they're kind of they're worried about me running the football. And when they when they're really worried about that deep ball, it, it opens so much up for him to run. And he is without a doubt the most lethal uh, like ball carrier in all of football it just his ability to basically beat a guy in a phone booth is unmatched and so I think that's the most difficult challenge this week for the defense is it's not anybody else on that offense it's just Lamar it is like that is the focal point of this offense unfortunately his ability now to throw the football effectively and also still be as electric as he is with the ball in his hands makes it a really really difficult task yeah and then you get into the fact that Kyle Duggar did not practice early in the week. You have uh, Adrian Phillips, who I thought it, it was a good surprise that he was able to play last week. You had uh, Bentley missing some practice time last week, and let's be honest, isn't all that fleet afoot as it is. New linebackers in McMillan and Mac Wilson, guys that could be involved in sort of that spy idea, spying on mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson. And McCourty said that. We're going to have a guy whose job it is to be with Lamar, to follow Lamar. Have We're going to have a have guy. To. Yeah. And, yeah, but the problem is it's easier said than done. Like, your job is to where he goes, you go. Hey, coach, he goes places a lot faster than I go places. That's the problem. And, <laughs> you know, two weeks in a row, two out of three weeks, you know, Shime said he's the most unique ball carrier. And I agree, dynamic, explosive. They did a pretty good job against Tyreek Hill, but it's a different world. Tyreek Hill is on one side of the field. You got a corner with him. You got and a he doesn't safety. always have the ball in his hand. Right. right. Whereas Lamar, you know, there's these plays you go back in the, like, I think Milano got it bad a couple of years ago on the goal line in yes. Buffalo, where mm-hmm. you're exactly where you're supposed to be. You have all the leverage you're supposed to have. Coach, I did what you told me to do. Why is he dancing in the back of the end zone? Like, that's how different a player Lamar is. And I think the matchup with all year we've talked about the the safety is a strength. And the linebacker has gotten more athletic in New England. We're going to find out if that's true this week. Yeah, for sure. And it does worry me about when you talk about the Patriots being a zone, you know, if Mac Wilson or whoever gets assigned Lamar uh, can keep up with him. That's the, a scary but, thought. Like Mac it, Wilson, no, it really the is. But like, defense. Yeah, I it just, could be. Uh, it could be a big ant because the running backs. You're still probably not going to have. Uh, you probably still won't have Dobbins and Edwards. So you might be looking at a big like. Edwards and likely with a splash of Bateman type of day. Um, And I think the Pats will have their opportunities. I do think the Patriots are going to throw the ball more than people expect on Sunday. And then they'll switch to the run game if they're ever ever able to move the ball or get a lead on Sunday. And so uh, I think without further ado, since we've heard so much about this game and both teams, gentlemen, I think it's time that we share with the Six Rings audience our picks for Sunday's action, which, of course, you can review after the game from 4 to 6 on WEI with the Six Rings postgame show. Let's hope it's a happy one. Andy, what do you got? Yeah, um, the negativity that La Confora brought about the Ravens and the back end that that's not a one-off. They're a bad secondary. They're a banged-up secondary. They they don't even know what they're doing. They're hiding guys. Um, that is an opportunity for Mac. My only question is, not just Mac, is Matt Patricia and Mac 
Are they, as a combo, ready to take advantage of those opportunities? Are we going to see more Kendrick Bourne and some playmaking in the experiment, you know, the, the, the focus on Devontae Parker as a higher-end option for this team? Could this not be a week where that makes any sense? I still think the Ravens are the better team. I still think the Ravens have the best player in this game in Lamar. And I think the best player in this game, we didn't really touch on this a lot. I have this belief. He's looking to go scorched earth, absolute scorched earth with everybody in his way, the national football league. Like he probably really is. It likes that bill was talking him up this week, but he wants to show I'm even better than that. And I just, I'm going to pick Lamar Jackson. I'm almost not even picking the Ravens. I'm almost picking Lamar Jackson to beat the new England Patriots at Gillette stadium on Sunday. So I'm going to say Patriots score a few more points than we've seen. But not enough. So I'm going to say 30 to 24. Wow. The Ravens get the win. We, yep. You and 30, I, 24. Okay. You and I are on similar wavelengths here. I think the Patriots have their best offensive performance of the year, but unfortunately, I just don't think it's enough against Lamar Jackson. I am with you, Andy. I, I just, I'm going to take Lamar Jackson here. I, I understand that he's played the Patriots twice now, once is in a bit of a monsoon. I disagree with Lock and Flora. I don't think this game goes under. I think this game goes way, way over. Um, in that monsoon, they still scored a total of 40 points. It was 23-17 in that monsoon. Lamar played actually kind of well. Uh, he played better in the first game because he really didn't have to do as much because Mark Ingram ran for like 115 yards. That was back in 2019 during the MVP season. Um, so I expect Lamar to have a lot of success. I'm, I also think Andy's spot on when he says Lamar is going scorched earth. So I'm going to go 31-21. Uh, Ravens. I think the Patriots score three touchdowns this week for the first time all season. All right. Well, far be it from me, the old uh, the old Homer and Honk on the program, to go against the grain or brand and pick against the Patriots. I've been high on the Pats all week. The more I thought about it, I'm not just doing that because someone's got to do it on the pod as well. Uh, I think the Patriots pass the ball, and they pass the ball a lot. I think they identify the weaknesses in the secondary, and you don't see a second-half performance or a fourth quarter like Tua put up last week because you don't have Jalen Waddle and you don't have Tyreek Hill. But the Patriots hold the ball more often than Baltimore has the ball. They're able to corral and contain with some sort of uh, brilliant Belichickian plan that limits the marvelous just enough to be able to put up the points to squeak this one out. I will take the Patriots 30, the Ravens 27. Wow, Patriots and I love the over two shine. I don't just like; I love the over in this game. Yeah, so that first time the Ravens won, it was like thirty-seven to twenty. Like this score went way over. I, I expected to be more like that than than your like you know your twenty to seventeen games that we've seen so far this season. Absolutely, the one thing, I think it's going to be a fun one. The one thing we didn't really address in our picks is so I don't think any of us are really paying much credence to Lamar not throwing very much early in the week and the the arm. Uh, sleeve he was wearing yeah, and Lock and Fora kind of said it's it's it is weird to have wear and tear in week two like if it's wear and tear that's a bad sign in week two if it if it got dinged you know if it's uh, something off a hip but it doesn't sound like that um, that is definitely something to keep an eye on from a Ravens perspective can I give but you my conspiracy it's conspiracy away uh, this is fake? this is the Bill Belichick Tom Brady is probable every week Okay. I, but, I think but this an is arm game, sleeve. Like I think he, this is gamesmanship. Yeah, it's a sleeve. It's not like he's in a cast. Oh yeah, it's, it's a minor like, thing. Yeah, I, I mean, he might have like that tendonitis. Uh, he, yeah, or like he might Thrower's have elbow on on Sunday. You might see him have that tape. You know that KT, What is it? KT oh, Kinesio tape. tape? Yeah. yeah, like he might have some of that on his arm and be like, oh, Kinesio but like I, this tape. is this to me screams Belichick putting Tom Brady is probable every every single week of this season. Like this is gamesmanship one hundred and one out of the Ravens, in my opinion.
Right. And oh, he, let's not pretend I, he's he's the most accurate passer on the planet. And if he's off a little teeny bit, like he still makes his money with wide open receivers that are created by the danger of his legs and the overall scheme and his ability to throw it 60 yards down. Well, the that's field what I mean. It's like the long balls have been darts, by fine, the way. Yeah. They have been tremendous. Yeah. It's, you know, what's sad. It's a little uh, bit sad that we're talking up Lamar Jackson as the better thrower of the football in this game. He's got a naturally so. strong arm. He's been in the league longer. They've been working with him. I also think people de- like downplay Lamar's ability to throw the football and have the last couple of years. Well, like, it's I gotten think, better. Yeah. Well, yeah. Of it's course, absolutely it's gotten better, improved. But even in his MVP season, he was throwing into the tightest windows in football, and he threw for thirty-six touchdowns. Like it's, it, I think it's, I think it's a bit overblown. And people, it's he doesn't throw the ball like Mitch Trubisky or like Kirk Cousins in prime time. Like, oh my god! I, it's so that's that's kind of where I come from. In that. Well, I was just thinking more like. If I'm Mac Jones, that guy is the best runner in the league. And he throws the football better than me. Well, I mean, that's so does Josh fair. Allen. <laughs> that's, yeah. yeah, that's my point, though. Like, it's almost sobering. And I know that was the conversation I got into with Giardi, yeah. like the, the where Mac is and the development and measuring up. But it's, it's a little sobering. Well, let's hope he can make some serious progress on Sunday, elevate the pass game, and steer the Patriots to a big win. No matter which way it goes, you know you can join your boys, Fitzy and Jumbo, for the Six Rings postgame show, 4-6 to six on WEEI, immediately following the wrap-up of Pats-Ravens. No Red Sox game to get in the way because Sox-Yankees is on Sunday night. And don't forget also to listen to our NFL picks and our favorite Best Bets of the Weekend podcast coming on the Six Rings feed this weekend as well. For Jason Lock and Four, for Mike Giardi, for Primetime Shime Time and Andy Jumbo Hart, this is your old pal Nick Fitzy Stevens saying thanks for listening to the Six Rings and Football Things podcast. Give us a rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, and of course, follow us at Six Rings Pod on Twitter. And we will talk to you soon. Go Pats. See ya. See ya. See ya.